Voice Live from CES is an official event within the greater CES program, where the world's top brand leaders will share insights about how they are engaging customers through voice-enabled devices in our homes, cars, hotels, and more. To learn more about how you can be a sponsor, speaker, or attend Voice Live from CES, visit voicesummit.ai slash CES. That's voicesummit.ai slash CES. How do you know if you need a Sonic brand or even what the process is like? On today's episode, John Brennan of Sonic Signatures talks about why it's important to create a personal relationship with the consumer, why you should use real voices and original music for your Sonic brand, the process of choosing the right voice in music, plus actual Sonic brand samples John has created where he asks you to guess which category you think they fit into. Hi, Inside Voice podcast listeners. This is your co-host, Carrie Roberts. And today, my guest is John Brennan, the Chief Creative Officer at Sonic Signatures. Welcome, John. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. So let's start off with the importance of Sonic branding and voice, because time is constantly spent on the visual identities of a brand, but not as much on the audio. Why is Sonic branding important to have? Yeah, that's right. So brands obviously have very strict guidelines for the use of their logo, their font, and their colors because they're creating a very strong visual identity. And unfortunately, what we've often seen as composers that we're given very vague descriptions and guidelines in a sense of what to write musically or even search for music. And the problem with that is that the brands end up basically with these vague descriptions end up with um, leaving their music open to personal interpretation. So if I'm writing music for a web video, that music is going to be very different. Or if I'm even searching for music for their web video, it's going to be very different from their music on their advertising campaign because they were done by two different people who are given very different directions. You know, basically what happens is that audio is different across all their touch points, which creates a confusing experience for the audience. And with voice and podcasts, you know, that becomes even more apparent because the sound you use is your brand identity. That makes a lot of sense. And you're right. A lot of people are not thinking about it as much. And yet there have been industries like insurance companies or car companies that are using sonic branding quite often. But now we're talking about brands of all kinds really pulling it in. And so you talk about how voice creates this opportunity for a brand to create a more personal relationship with the consumer. So can you talk more about that? Yeah. And so it's especially important in voice technology because people are using their own voice, which is people see that as a part of themselves. And so when they're using it, they're sharing a part of their person. And secondly, with voice, you know, we're welcoming this technology into our homes and our kitchens where we talk with our friends. And so it's even more apparent that that relationship feel right and on brand because if it's wrong, the stakes are really high because they're going to be turned off from that brand and not return. Yeah. And there are a lot of people and companies that are on board. They're like, yes, I want to create a voice experience, but they're using the default of things like Google, Siri, or Alexa as the voice. But you say that brands should consider using real voices. Why is that important? And kind of how do we go about doing that? Yeah, I think as much as possible, they should be casting and using uh, real voices or using, even if they're still using a text-to-speech voice, it's adjusting those parameters that it becomes a custom brand fit, basically, because using the default Google or default Alexa voice represents that technology brand. 
any time that Alexa is speaking to you, that um, you're always getting, in a sense, a part of Amazon speaking to you. But if it's on brand for that experience, you're going to get a much richer brand experience or identity. So how do we go about doing a voice casting, which kind of reminds me of like, if somebody's getting casted for a movie, it's the same type of process. And how would a brand go about doing that? First, you're going to define your target audience. And then you're going to say, you know, what values does that target audience attribute to the brand? And then from there, we're going to say, who will that target audience listen to about this brand? You know, we're going to say, what's their age, their gender, their cultural distinctions, whether it's formal, informal, whether they have an accent. And then from there, once we have that information, we can design a voice, you know, using profiles such as the pitch, whether it's high or low, the pacing, you know, whether breath is part of this, whether they should be heard or not heard, the intensity in which they're speaking loud or soft, and the timbre of the voice, which is like the roughness or smoothness of the voice. And so is that something that they kind of write out this path of what they're looking for? Okay, I want all of these things. But then how do they find those people? What is kind of the process in doing that? Yeah, and so it's voice casting. And so once you kind of have this profile written, you can either then go cast real voices, or you can, again, like I said, create a custom TTS voice from that. The voice casting, there's many services out there. It kind of depends on um, the size of what you're looking to produce. You know, individuals like myself have five or six male and five or six female talent that I go to a lot, depending on the uh, styles that we're, we're trying to uh, hit. There's a number of different voice outfits online, uh, GM Voices, Voice123, Voices.com. And, you know, they're getting very hip to uh, the voice space as well and, and help casting there. Now, what about if a company or brand says their worry is, okay, I choose this person, but something happens to that person or they don't want to do it anymore. And now that one person's voice has become the brand and they need to find somebody else. How do you kind of deal with that situation? Yeah. And so a lot of this, I kind of relate back to my experience in broadcasting and in, in advertising. So I come from you know, working as a sound designer for many years. And so you kind of attribute a lot of these best practices from audio and for production into voice. And so generally, when you're casting a voice, you're going to put them under contract for a certain amount of time. And you're going to have also limits in their agreement that says that they're not allowed to represent a competing company, right? So if if this company is voicing a hospital in one market, they're not going to voice a hospital in the next market over, or especially in the same market, right? So... Besides voice, the other piece is music or sounds. Why is that equally as important as the vocal part? And how does a brand go about deciding what that should sound like as well? Yeah, so the music process can be very similar to the voice process where you really start with those brand attributes and who your target audience is. And then you're also going to secondly take a look at the competitive market, what, what other sounds are out there in this category. And then from there, you're going to really need to sit down with the decision makers and go through music that fits those attributes and say, hey, these are examples of music in different genres or different styles that all hit your attributes. Which pieces of these music, what are the characteristics in these music that represents your brand and also best represent your attributes? And once you can get alignment from the decision makers on genre, on the characteristics of music within that piece of music, only then can you start writing music. 
And that's such an important process because I've gone through this so many times where if you don't get the key decision makers in a room and you don't sit them down to listen to music ahead of time, then you start just writing music in a circle, trying to trying to hit something that hasn't been nailed down, right? So the more you can say, the more you can take the subjectivity out of it, the better. People always say, well, music is the most objective thing. But if you can say, hey, these are your brand attributes. This is the music that best represents these attributes and get their buy-in up front. The process can go extremely smooth and can go very fast. And you have suggested that brand sounds take center stage and voice experiences and podcasts very similar to a logo. Can you speak to that from a logo and UX perspective? Yeah. So in a sense, brands can look at when they're using a voice technology, they can look at their sounds and their music as their logo, as their font or their colors in a sense of what they would use in a visual spectrum. And so your music and your sounds really bring a heighten the experience and make it more emotional and more memorable. And there's lots of ways you can use that. You know, if you create an audio logo or what we call a mnemonic, which is a, um, a short motif, that can be used to open your podcast. It can be used to close your podcast. And just creating that bookend uh, is a great way to start. Another way to do it is to actually use UX sounds. And we see this with a lot of game show apps and things like that. But even just something that says yes or no with the sound, uh, rather than having the text-to-speech voice say that was incorrect. What else can you tell me? You know, that creates a bigger mental drain than just playing a sound very quickly that represents yes or no or open, success, complete, send, receive. I mean, that's very similar to when you watch game shows on TV or buzzer sounds. So it would make sense that you would put that in an audio perspective for voice as well. Now, I know you brought for us today some music samples that you've put together. So you want to kind of walk us through what you want to share with us today and just give us an idea of what kind of sound an audio brand can have. Yeah. We kind of talked earlier about kind of the process for music. And one of the things that's very important when you are creating music for a brand is category. And a lot of brands will fit into a category, say healthcare or news, one of the ones we're going to use here, you know, cleaning products, you name it, right? So everything has a category. And so music also has these default tropes and things that are used to define a category. And so we have to first decide, okay, does your brand need to fit in that category, which nine times out of 10, honestly, it is. We did music for a hospital here uh, locally, and the agency said, we're going to break the category, and we're just going to do something completely different. And I said, well, let's that, sit down with the brand. Let's have them listen to some music. And as soon as they said, no, we'll listen to us, they'll listen to us. I said, this isn't going to work. And because the, the, the hospital said, this needs to sound like hospital music. It has to be classical. In the end, that's what we ended up writing. So category is extremely important, uh, usually. And so once you have a category nailed down or that genre, then you take a look at those brand attributes and you say, okay, now within this, how can we represent this brand with the characteristics in the music, the melody, the harmony, the uh, rhythm, instrumentation, things like that. And so what I've got here is three pieces of music, and I'd like us to play them, and I want you to identify for me what category they are. And so I'll give you the categories. You have healthcare, news, and a law firm. And then from there, we can pick out what are the brand attributes. Okay. Healthcare, law, and what was our other one? 
and news. Yeah, these are all real examples that we've written for clients. So I'm okay. going to start with the first one. So our first option. So that's our option one. This is option two. All right. And here's our option three. Okay. I'm not going to lie. I think this is harder than I thought it was going to be. I had for the first one, news, the second one, law, and the third, healthcare. Okay. Well, the big reveal is that, um, okay, so the first one was law firm, the second one was news, and the third one was healthcare. So I would love to hear your thought on this from a creative perspective, because I'm obviously only listening to these for the first time. So as a listener, but one and two definitely had a really like, strong driving force that I feel like both news and law have. So how would you say that they differentiated within a category? Okay, so the difference is, so the news one especially is really identified with the syncopated beat and very strong pulse. And that's really sending a sense of urgency and that this is important. And so first, when we were writing that news music, that was number one, that it had this very strong pulse and a sense of urgency to it. And the law firm differentiating from there is a slower pace. It still has the seriousness and quality, but doesn't have that overwhelming sense of urgency and importance to it. I can kind of go more in detail, I guess, on these while we're discussing it. So going back to the news piece, so you've got the sense of urgency and pulse, but this particular station in particular, this news channel was aimed at millennials. And so, and they're also the audience themselves, listen to them to really avoid the perceived bias and hype that is associated with other news channels. And so as a differentiator with this news music, uh, we chose not to use any brass instruments and really avoid this hard-hitting, heavy action percussion because those type of tropes are associated with the hype news networks. And so this news network, we wanted to stay away from that but still fitting in the news category. And we also brought in more of a positive sound to their news to kind of focus on their solutions-focused network. I was going to say, I felt like the positivity of that. And that's why I think I was a little thrown off because I was like, oh, I like these. They both feel pretty intense, but there's this kind of lightness. And so I was like, maybe the law is light? But now it's interesting you're saying that it's the news piece and it's because of, again, their specific brand of what they were going for. So that makes sense. Yeah, 
in the law firm, it was um, taking a look at their brand attributes. Uh, so I, I listened to a couple hours of law firm ads to kind of decide and kind of decipher what the category was first and really look at who was using it the best because there's a lot of bad examples out there. But with the law firm, you know, we wanted to hit serious, traditional. And then from there, this law firm uh, specializes in immigration practices. And they also have a criminal defense as well. So with the criminal defense, we really wanted to say, you know, this is your hero. And so you've got the horn uh, melody kind of coming in the second half kind of as your, your hero moment. And you've got this fighting for you feeling in there, this tenacity. And that's coming from you know, your fast strings. It's also coming from the snare drum. It's kind of military pattern on the snare drum. It's how we take your brand attributes and associate that with strong emotional cues in the music. I'm so excited. I think that adds a lot that we're able to play some of your work here. I mean, so then a, a brand could use this for a voice experience, for a podcast. It could be on their commercials. It can be, again, associated with them where they're showing they're in a particular category, but they have this music that is unique to them and only them that they could use anywhere. That's right. Yeah. And the more often they use it, the better. The more often your brain hears a piece of music, the faster you're going to attribute it to that brand and the more positive association that you're going to come away with. And when the brands are using this music, it's not the same across every touch point. You know, you're creating a specific melody, harmony, instrumentation that you can then break down and use in different ways. Like, um, I'm trying to think, each of those pieces of music I played for you had what we call a mnemonic, and that is a short melody motif that can be extracted out of it and then used as their audio logo. At the end of like the law firm piece, there's a hold, and then it plays the mnemonic very quickly at the end again. The news piece ends in a very strong mnemonic, and then the healthcare piece had a separate mnemonic that matches their, their actual visual logo, but that was there as well. And so those can then be extracted out of the music and used separately as your audio logo to open your voice app, close your voice app, things like that. And, you know, talking about UX sounds, when you create your sounds for your app, those sounds are actually tonally taken from your music as well so that everything has a cohesive matching sound. All right. So here is an example of a general notification that you're talking about that you created. And then if we go to an alert, this is one that's slightly different. Yeah, you can hear like the frequency is different between the two. That's right. Whereas the general notification is just the same pitch and the same sound repeated. And it's also at the same volume. And that just is a general notification. It just means, hey, you've received something or, you know, or something's happened. But it doesn't mean, hey, you need to look at this. You need to interact with this. Whereas an alert notification, the second tone is the same pitch. It's just louder in volume. And just by changing the volume of that second pitch, we're making it into an alert notification that means, hey, you need to interact with this. This is important. All right. So another option we have is success and conclusion. So I'm going to play the success one first. And then our conclusion one. Yeah. So I mean, from my hearing it, you can hear one has like an upswing and one has a downswing. So something starting and beginning. That's right. And you know, this is the most basic example. It's just a major triad playing up and then a major triad playing down. It's so basic, but just our brains are conditioned over many years of this stuff that when we hear that, that positive sound going up, that's a success, that was correct. 
and then the sound going down, or that has a sense of finality or a conclusion. Yeah. And I like how you were saying earlier in this interview that, you know, you can answer something with a sound that takes one or two seconds versus a voice or the automatic voice of Alexa or Google or Siri saying, no, that's incorrect. That it can give a different feel and save time, which is what we all want from a voice experience. Yeah. And, and, you know, this is just an exciting time where, you know, UX sounds are finally getting away from just the loud blaring of a beep beep at you into being these tonal soundscapes and really beautiful sounds that you interact with. If people want to learn more about you or like this process or your company, where can they do that and connect with you either online or social media? Sure. Uh, SonicSignatures.io is our website. And you can reach out to me at john at SonicSignatures.io. And that is uh, J-O-N. You can also find me on LinkedIn or just under Sonic Signatures as well. Perfect. And the last question I want to ask you is, what is a skill or flash briefing or voice experience that you are really enjoying right now, or because you're in the sonic branding space that maybe is doing sonic branding really well? Yeah, I think those who are doing sonic branding really well right now really are the entertainment spaces. And you've got like Nickelodeon with um, SpongeBob, but also Nickelodeon has several voice apps for many of their different shows. And each one of those uses the characters from the show as the voices are speaking to you. They're using the music from the show. They're using custom sound effects from the show. And it just creates this really wonderful holistic experience that uh, really puts you in that space. And, you know, you transcend where you are, you know, while you're listening to that. And I think that really gets back to the theater of the mind of going back to early radio right, where you had radio plays, where everything was just a theater of the mind. And that's really the beauty of this voice space is now it's theater of the mind and it's interactive. Yeah, I mean, which is the ultimate goal. You know, it's not, I think so many people sometimes think of voice as a separate entity or have to have it because it's a new thing, but there should be a purpose for it. And when you're bringing in this kind of sonic branding, it should not only showcase your brand or company, but create an experience that people are enjoying. That's right, yeah. Well, this has been wonderful. And I love that you brought in some of your own Sonic brands that you've used for various companies. I think that helps relay the message so much for people that maybe aren't fully clear on what it is or how it could work for them. So thank you so much, John, for being here. Hey, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for listening to the Inside Voice podcast. We greatly appreciate you being a part of our community. And if you enjoyed this episode or you like the podcast, we would love it if you would subscribe, follow, like, share, leave a review of the show. If you have any questions, comments, feedback, people you want to see on the show, things you want to learn, feel free to send us an email at kerry at modev.com. That's K-E-R-I at modev.com. And be sure to check us out online at voicesummit.ai. Thank you. And we look forward to chatting with you next week.